God, thank you so much for today. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you have called each and every one of us to come to this place to worship you. And we worship you this morning, God. Pray that you'd open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears, God. That we will receive your word this morning and that you would convict our hearts to follow you, Lord, with all our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. If you're new, my name is Jonas. Um, I'll be sharing God's word this morning. Um, it's always a pleasure um, to be able to share God's word with God's people. And so as we continue with our uh, sermon series on the book of Romans, um, I'll ask you to open Romans 6, Romans 6, chapter 11 through 14. That's where we are this morning, Romans 6, 11 through 14. I'm going to go ahead and read. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life in your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Let's pray once again. God, uh, your word is life, and we're so thankful that we get to hear your word. We're so thankful that you are our God in whom we can trust. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I'm going to start this morning with a story. Um, it's something that happened back in Mozambique, where I'm originally from, and uh, um, it was told by my parents. Um, they lived in an area, uh, in a village, very small village, uh, with a small community, and they lived as a group. Everyone lived as a group, as a family. And so one of the ways that they made money for them to sustain and uh, to provide for their families was by selling some of the products that they, they grew, or um, in this case, in this story, was cashews. So there was a lot of cashew trees in the neighborhood, and so they would harvest cashews and put them in a bag and they would agree on a day where everybody, it was mainly men that would uh, prepare their bags and put the cashews in there and tie it up and put it in their head. And they would go together, they would travel on foot from that area all the way to the, to the town. It was a long way. And the road to get there was not like a paved road. It was a, it was a small path that they went through all the way to the town. And so they went through like places um, 
that were a forest, like so many trees around in the middle of nowhere, you know, they would be walking together all the way to, this, uh, to the town. And so one of the times they prepared their cashews and everything was ready, but there was one man that was not feeling very good, and so he decided, instead of going with the whole group, he decided to leave earlier, and, and normally they left at 4 o'clock in the morning or 3.30 in the morning, and this guy decided to leave a little bit earlier, let's say 2.30 or 3 o'clock, by himself, and he started walking towards town. And his, the, way, the reason why he did this is because by the time they caught up with him, he would have gone through a kind of a longer distance, so they wouldn't leave him behind. And so what happens is he gets to this place in the middle of nowhere, in the forest, trees around him. He's on his own. All of a sudden, he starts to smell cooked food. There was no house close by. He was on his own. So he smells cooked food. And everybody knew in the neighborhood that when that happened, there might, there, 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 it's very likely that there is a wild animal close by, or there is probably a spiritual being around, or something is going to happen. It was dangerous. And so when this guy starts to smell that food, he puts his luggage down, and he climbs up a tree. And he's up there, the tree. And he's looking down. His bag of cashews is down there. And all of a sudden, he sees a lion coming. Huge lion, and the lion is going around. It goes around the tree, and he's sitting up there watching it. And after some time, the lion just sits there peacefully. He sits there waiting because it knew that there was something, there was food close by, right? And so, this next part of the story is not relevant, but I'm I'm going to tell you anyway. So what happens is while the guy is up there, he falls asleep. He falls asleep, and apparently the lion also down there, he fell asleep. And so this guy, he falls down, and he falls on the lion while the lion is asleep. And so the, when he falls on the lion, the, the lion feels like it's been attacked. It gets up, scared, it runs one way, and this guy also runs the other way, so scared, right? So each of them running a different way. There's a reason why I'm telling you guys this story this morning, and this is the reason. There's a lion out there, and that lion is called sin. And that's what Paul is addressing this morning in this passage. And that lion is ready. It has its claws ready to attack. And it wants to devour you. It wants to attack you. It has no mercy whatsoever. Now, if you think about that story, that guy up there did not just go down the tree to entertain the lion. He didn't just go down the tree to play with the lion or to run away even. He did not do that. He was up there because he was scared. 
He was trying to protect himself from the attack of the lion. And so this morning, Paul, what is, Paul is saying here, do not entertain sin. It's dangerous. Its intention is to, to separate you from God. Its intention is to attack you and to put you away from the love of God. That's what it wants. He has no mercy whatsoever. And it looks tirelessly for you, day and night. It hunts you because it just wants you. It wants to devour you. But we have a refuge. We have a refuge. Our refuge is Christ. Even though sin is real in our lives, we know that Christ is real too and he lives in us. And we, our desire has to be to obey our master, which is Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't matter. Even if it's there, laying there, if sin is right there, just focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has the strength that you have, uh, the strength that you need to keep progressing in your Christian life. And God has warned us right from the beginning. In the very first pages of Scripture, in the, in the book of Genesis, he warned about sin. And you, if you can remember in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he talks to Cain. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And I believe you can remember this story where these two brothers decided to give an offering to God. And each one of them gave their offering, and God received Abel's offering, and he rejected Cain's offering. And Cain, because of that, he became angry. He was so angry. And before even he, he killed his brother, God approached him, and he came to me, and, and he told him. And if you can listen to this. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is, to, is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And I repeat that. You must rule over it. And so we have God here just telling Cain. And again, this is right from the beginning in the book of Genesis. God telling, letting, letting his people know that sin is not far away. It's crouching at the door. And in fact, this word crouching, it means laying, waiting for, your pre waiting for its prey. And if you consider this story that I just told, the lion was just sitting there, peacefully waiting, waiting, patiently waiting for that guy to come down. And that's, that's how sin is. It waits it's waiting for us. It wants to rule over us. It wants to attack us. It wants to become our master. And in fact, at some point in our lives, it was our master. And now we're regenerated by, the, by God's grace through faith. We don't belong to that life anymore. We don't, we don't belong to that master anymore. 
So as we read these words this morning, it's important for us to, to know that Paul was writing to a church just like we are a church today. And these people in this church, they were not like people that grew up in Scripture, reading Scripture. It was a new church. There were people that were just learning to, become, to live a life that was different from the world. But still, they were in the world. They were trying to live a life that was separate from the world. And so Paul writes this letter to them in order to encourage them in their faith. They had been regenerated through the grace of God. And they were trying to follow Jesus. And so Paul writes them, and he knows that these believers are like an island surrounded by all sorts of immorality. It's a church that is surrounded by a lot of sin. And he writes them to encourage them to continue to persist in this life, this new life that they have found in Christ Jesus. And that message that comes to us this morning as well. We live in this great big nation. And I believe we all know what is going on in this nation, the things that happen. And again, when, when, when there is a lot of development in a nation or in a town, it seems like everything gets developed. Crime gets developed. You know, all sorts of evil gets de developed. It goes to another level. My wife and I live in Mozambique. I remember once her wallet got stolen with all the documents in there. And if I remember correctly, I think we went to the park and somehow the wallet disappeared. That's like unthinkable, right? Somebody just comes and grabs your wallet, off they go. And this is a city that was being developed. I mean, it, lots and lots of people were coming in, inhabiting the city in different neighborhoods and all that, and most of those people did not have jobs. And so the only way for them to make money or make a living was by stealing from other people. But that kind of stuff didn't happen where they left, the, the places where they left. So in big cities, there is always this development and where everything also develops, including immorality develops. And this was the situation in Rome. It was a big city where... The economy was good, and that's where the politicians lived, and the city was huge, and lots and lots of people living, living there. And so this church is born there. And so you can imagine how this church was, how these believers were, surrounded by all, by all, this, all this unrighteousness around them. It makes sense that Paul would write to them, encouraging them to persist in this way that they had, they had just found. So in verse 11, we read here, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. What a statement. Yes, sin is out there, but we do not have to give in to it because we are dead to sin. And now, this life that we live, we live in Christ Jesus. 
That's where we should be able to find our strength to continue. That's where we should be, we should be able to find our strength to persist, to avoid having this lion devour us. The strength comes from Jesus because that's where we are today. That's where we are. And these verses are not just ideologies or uh, philosophies or somebody's ideas. It's a, real, it's, a real, it's a reality in our lives. It's a life that we're supposed to be living. He's not just telling them his ideas, what he thinks. It's the message that he received from the Lord and he's transmitting it to people, to the church. And it's a way of life that is real. And you and I, as believers in Christ... We should be striving to live. This message is as real as it can get as believers in Christ for us. So we are called this morning to stand bright in the middle of this darkness that we see around us. And I think we can all agree that this world is dark, isn't it? This world is dark. And so we're called to shine bright in this world. We're called to be different from the world we live in. And I remember once a pastor was preaching back in Mozambique, and he gave this analogy, this, this um, example of being believers being like fish. Because even though a fish lives in salty water, when you cook it, you have to salt it. It did not just adopt the saltiness because it lives in the water. Even though it lives in the water, but you still have to cook it because it's not salty. It rejected the saltiness from the water. Amen. That's how believers should live as far as Paul is concerned here this morning. We should let these verses affect the way we think. We should let these verses affect the way we, we act, the way we speak, the way we are. Let there be evidence of God's righteousness inhabiting in our lives. So there are three things I'll be talking about this morning. Uh, the first one, starting from verse 12, which is, Prohibition. Prohibition. Verse 12. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. So these are prohibitions. Why does Paul, Paul tell us this morning that we should not be doing this? We should not let sin reign in our mortal bodies. We should not use our bodies as instruments for unrighteousness. Why? He's saying this because even though we're dead to sin, he knows that sin, the reality of sin, is still there. It's still there. And like that lion that was laying there waiting for its prey, sin is doing the same. It lays there waiting for us. At any moment, any opportunity that we give it, he might attack us. And Paul knows this. And he feels the need to encourage the church. 
And that encouragement comes to you as well this morning. Let no sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies. This word to reign, in the Portuguese language that I grew up speaking, the three, the three letters, R-E-I, which reads rei, means king. So the idea here is to let, let in sin direct your life as a king. Rule over you as a king. So Paul is saying here, do not do that. Do not do that. Do not let sin exercise control over you. Do not let it rule over you. Don't let it influence everything that you do. Because it's your enemy. Sin is your enemy. Do not entertain it. Don't let it put you down. You know, a Christian life involves a change of master. Once we were ruled by sin, before our conversion, before Jesus appeared to us, and now we live for Christ, that's a change of master. And talking about changing of master, um, it, it, this reminds me of slavery because my, my parents lived through slavery back home in Mozambique. And uh, they told me some stories about slavery, the things that were happening at the time. And some of those things are unthinkable. They're terrible. Um, there are things that local people went through because of um, this need that these people had to dominate, to have power, to exercise their power over local Mozambicans. And so what I have noticed is the fact that it was tyrannical, okay? These people were tyrannical, and that's exactly how sin is. It's tyrannical. It, it wants to exercise its power over you, so you become powerful you become powerless to it, and it dominates you. And so it comes with all sorts of threats, right? It comes with all sorts of, thre of threats if you don't obey it. it. It brings demands expecting you to obey them. If you don't obey them, it comes with threats. Go out there and get drunk and socialize. And if you do not do that, you're unfriendly or you're antisocial. That's the threat. And we become fearful of this. We become fearful of what people think of us. Maybe they're going to think that we're, we're unfriendly or we're antisocial or something like that. And we end up doing that. You should, you should indulge in all sorts of Bodily appetites, because you're missing out on something. You're missing out on real life if you don't do it. That's a threat. Is that real? No, it's not. It's not real. That is a lie. It's a lie that the evil brings to us so that it would draw us to itself. But that is a lie. 
In some cases also, you must starve yourself so that you can look good, you can look beautiful. Is that right? No, it's not. That's a lie from devil. And he brings these threats. And so when I, when I talk about slavery here, there was also threats. People were being threatened. If you don't do this, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do right now, I'm going to beat up on you. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. People would go to plantations, huge fields. And if you look at the fields, you would think that people worked in those fields with machinery. But no, it was people working in those fields. There was a bunch of people with uh, sticks. There were supervisors. And again, everything was done by hand. They had this garden hose and they were working it. If you got tired and you stood and just to rest your, your back, the supervisor was there to beat you with this stick. That's what happened. And I got a, a portion from a book that I, I've been reading here about the history of Mozambique where it says a little bit about what was happening. It says food was equally bad. The men had only one meal a day. And that was flour, which they had to cook themselves, and often ate raw because they were too tired to cook. Furthermore, they received their day's ration only if they finished the assigned task. For the plantations, a six-month term of, of forced labor was ideal. It covered seasonal peaks and allowed them to exhaust the man physically and then send him home to his family farm for six months to recover, while paying nothing to the cost of supporting him or his family. So these are things that were happening. Total tyranny. And sin is exactly like that. And it wants you to feel comfortable in that life. It makes you feel like you're satisfied. And that might ring a bell in your mind. If you remember the Israelites, what happened? When they left Egypt with Moses on their way to Canaan, they got to the, uh, to the desert. What did they say? We want to go back. We want to go back. I hope that is not the case with you. Because now that you have been justified by grace through faith, that is the best place to be. That is the best place for you to be. Do not go back. Do not go back to that, those demands of evil, that slavery. Don't go back. And so considering all this, imagine what independence sounded like in Mozambique. Knowing that people were going through all this, when one day independence was proclaimed. Imagine how people were. Imagine the sound of that. I hope this is the case for you. The day that you became a believer, a true believer in Christ Jesus. And you rose from the dead through baptism. And now that you belong to Christ, I hope this is the case with you. That you rejoice in your, in your, in your status now. In your identity in Christ Jesus. 
I hope you're rejoicing. We have crossed the river into a new land where Christ reigns. And we should be there. We should abide there. And the sad thing is that we will never, ever outgrow sin. Temptation is always going to be there. That's sad. But the happy thing is we have Christ on our side. Amen? We have Christ on our side. He will always strengthen us. All we got to do is just to abide in him, to surrender to him. And that is not a one-time thing. Surrendering to Christ is not just a a one-time thing. You surrender and that's all. No. You constantly have to surrender to him. Surrender to him. Amen. Surrender to him on a daily basis. Just seek him. A Christian life, brothers and sisters, is a battlefield. It's a battlefield. And if you are not sensing this battle... I would say there's probably something wrong. From the moment that you become a believer and you actually believe in Christ and you're justified by grace, Satan does not like that. And he attacks you. He brings all sorts of attacks in your life. Why? Because he wants you back. He wants you back in his territory. So Paul tells us this morning that this battle is fought in our bodies. This battle is fought in our bodies, in our physical body, in our eyes, the things that we see, in our ears, the things that we listen to, in our mouth, those things that we say to other people, in our feet, the places where we go, our hands, the things that we touch, things that we we get hold on. That's where the battle is. And Paul tells us this morning not to give the members of our body as instruments for unrighteousness. He tells us not to do that because we don't belong to the old master anymore. We have a new master, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the second thing I'll be talking about this morning is the presentation, presenting ourselves. And that is found in chapter 6, 13, that says, But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And so the word to present here. It's the same idea as in the Old Testament when the priest at the temple would slaughter an animal for a sacrifice and the priest would bring that animal before God to present it to God as an offering. And that's exactly what this means here. We have to present ourselves to God as a sacrifice. Present our body as a sacrifice. To God, because we have been brought from death to life, and this should be a joyful thing for us, because sin is death. 
And now that we're no longer there, it doesn't rain in our bodies anymore. We should be joyful for the fact that we have been resurrected in Christ Jesus. We have been resurrected in Christ. We are alive now. And that should be a reason for us to be joyful this morning because we're alive. Do not present your members for sin, but present them to God as instruments for righteousness. This, this is what believers must do, must do. And again, it's not a one-time thing. This is something that you have to do on a daily basis. Surrender to him. Surrender your ears to him. Listen to him. Surrender your mouth to him. The things that you speak should be glorifying to the Lord. The things that you touch. The things that you think about. They should be things that bring glory to the Father. Because now you're in the light. You're in the light now. And the third and the last thing is promise. So Paul talks about all these things, and he includes a promise in there, in, chapter, in, in verse 4. It says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Brothers and sisters, this is, this is amazing. It's amazing that sin has no dominion anymore. We don't have to serve sin anymore. We don't have to be slaves to sin anymore because we're under grace. The word for, it's an explanation. Paul here is explaining to us that the reason why you don't have to present your bodies for unrighteousness <coughs> excuse me, is because sin does not rule over you anymore. It does not. <coughs> excuse me. Sin has been dethroned. Who reigns now is Christ in our lives. Amen. It's Christ that lives in us. And when we left our old master, we left the place where the law ruled. And now we don't, we don't live under the law anymore. We live under grace through Jesus Christ. Amen. And that should be a reason for us to be joyful and to rejoice in him because we are alive in Christ Jesus. We're alive. Let's remind ourselves of this every day. I'm a painter, um, and I love, I love painting. And one of the reasons that I love painting is because I look at the transformation that just paint makes in a room, and it just makes me joyful. I know it can be messy. It can be messy, so messy. It gets you dirty, it gets your hands dirty, and all that stuff, but I just love the end product of it. And many times, if I remember, I take a picture before I start painting, and then after I start painting, so I can look at the before and after. And, and if we look at that, our lives as believers, there has to be a before and after. Amen. There has to be one. If there is no before and after, 
then there must be something wrong. Before, you were slaves to sin. We were living under the wrath of God. We were condemned. We were not able to obey the law, and therefore, we were condemned. We were headed to destruction, to death. That's our before. And now that we're in Christ, our life is completely different. We're under grace. We're servants of the Lord Jesus. We are. And sometimes we might be tempted to not believe in this with, with our whole heart, but that is the truth. From the moment you accepted Jesus, you acknowledged Jesus as, as your Savior, the Lord of your life, from that day, He became your Lord. He became your Lord. You don't belong to that old master anymore. You don't have to let him rule over your, your body anymore, over the members of your body. Don't let him rule over the things that you say or the things that you see with your eyes or the places where you go because he's, he's, not, he's no longer your master. Your master is Jesus. Your master is Jesus. So as I close here this morning, and I will invite the worship team to come up, I will ask you a question. If you were to take a picture of, a picture, so to speak, of yourself, of your Christian life, would there be a before and after? If you think that there wouldn't be a before and after, then the day is today. The day is today. Do not leave it for tomorrow. Jesus is right there, ready to receive you. He wants to rule in your life. He wants to be your master. He's not a, a tyrannical master. He's a father. He's a friend. He wants everything good for you. He wants to save you from destruction. And so the day is today. And I'm not saying this so that you can look to change your life outwardly. This change comes from deep within. It's a change that is done, is given by Jesus himself. Only he can do that. Because if we do it outwardly, then that is not a genuine change. Let Christ change your heart. Let him change the way you live. He loves you. And he wants you to look to him on a daily basis. Amen. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you invite us this morning. Do not let our bodies to be used as instruments for unrighteousness. But you invite us to cling to you and to be ruled by you and to focus on you and to look to you. Just help us, God, this morning. For those of us that are struggling to do this, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak deep into their hearts Speak deep into their hearts, Lord, and help them to see you 
and help them to realize their true identity in you and to abide in that. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for loving us first and help us to love you and help us to love those around us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.